Welcome to the very first episode of History, the biographical tales of a glorious planet. I'm Harry, and this is Nash. Yo. And I'm sure you must be thinking, what do these two beautiful morons know about history? That's definitely what I'm thinking. Well, <laughs> like, why did we agree to do this? Let me tell you a bit about us. So we're both quite, we're quite acclaimed in the history world. And, and that's not joshing around. This is serious business. Nash has won the Nobel Prize for History in 2005, which was quite exciting. How would you feel about that, winning the Nobel Prize? Well, as the first and only recipient of the Nobel Prize for History, um, <laughs> you know, the fact that they created the award just for just me, for it was a... Profound honour. It's actually called the Nash Nobel Prize for History. Is it defamation if we lie about ourselves, Harry? No, I think it's okay. Um, (laughs) And I personally have written over 25 pieces of literature on the history of 32 different countries. Countries? Countries. Wow, is it like the the, the culture of of chickens? Yeah, it's the culture of... Of chickens. What chickens get up to? Like, what goes through the head of a chicken just before it turns into a nugget? It's actually, it's 25 pieces of literature about what came first, the chicken or the egg. <laughs> Each one will surprise you. <laughs> oh, dear. All the surprises. Now, Harry, of course, that's obviously a blatant lie. It sounds, it's a gross, gross lie. But it sounds pretty cool. I like it. I think, I think we sound professional now. People want to listen to this podcast. Uh, you, okay. Okay, um, but here's here's the truth. Let me let, let's 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 listen. I'll be frank with you. Uh, we can, made I be, a- can I still be Harry if you're Frank though? That's what I want to know. Oh. <laughs> We're keeping that in. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. yeah. Be, fra- be frank with us. <laughs> Uh, All right, now uh, we may not be as uh, um, decorated as we made ourselves out to be the past two minutes, but you know we may not even be the most pretty, but you know we love our history and we want to share it with you. Some of the craziest, most bizarre, and downright hilarious moments from our planet's glorious past. So we invite you to sit back and relax and feast your earbuds on a time before you were but a twinkle in your father's eye. Yes, a time before you were born. Cue the intro. I have a thing. Good evening, and welcome to television. It's one small step for man, one giant leap for man. Let's go back to a time before you were born. Right, so Harry, here we are. Uh, back again with a vengeance in 2017 after a well-deserved break. We are. Can I just say, I really liked our intro. There was explosions, it was exciting, it wasn't too long, but it wasn't too short either. I got enough, I knew. It was just right, it was a delicious historical tidbit. Hopefully that will go down in uh, the canon of media greatness. (laughs) When we get the gold Walkley, they'll play it. Yeah, oh, 100%. It will be welcome to television, then that intro that you just heard. (laughs) That's, That's how good it was. But yeah, there were three great media revolutions, the invention, invention of the printing press, the harnessing of the electromagnetic spectrum to, like, <laughs> to have radio in the first place, the internet, and Harry and Nash. I think yeah. I, I like that, but Nash, I honestly have no idea what we're talking about. You, you've dragged me in here, and I'm completely clueless. Yeah, look, sorry about that. Now, look, Harry, um, the premise of this show, obviously we're talking about history, right? Mm. It would be cool to make history a little bit more tangible. Take it out of that... You know, not very comfortable position of a dusty tome sitting on the shelf. Let's make history relevant. Actually, let's because let's remember that certain really important things that shaped our current society happened on this day, this very day you're listening, right? And more importantly, they're hilarious. A lot of them hilarious. Is, a lot of them are hilarious. Some cool. serious, some are serious, <laughs> but mainly hilarious. Well, a lot of them are very <laughs> hilarious. So the point is that each week we're going to be bringing you stories throughout history that happened that week. So this week we've got two very cool, but kind of like. <laughs> Totally unrelated tales. They are. But before we start, I think it's really important we acknowledge some people before we start 
I personally would like to say a big sorry to my history teacher, Mr. Bartlett. You taught us very well. You were very exciting, but... Yeah, here we are. Yeah. And I would just like to acknowledge that uh, in addition to uh, sex ed, history was one of the other subjects that they didn't teach at my high school. Oh, good. No, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> Which is why you have five kids and don't know anything about World War II. There's a really important year in our history, and that's, that's 1904. The 2nd of March, to be precise. Ooh, That's okay. in the week that we're talking about right now. And it's so important because a young man called Theodore Giesel was born. Theodore Giesel. Ever heard of him? I guarantee you haven't. You know, I feel like I'm going to regret not knowing who he is. Is he significant? Is he? Um, did he develop some sort of vaccine? or? Let's just say he pulled a cat out of a hat and then ate some green eggs and ham as he watched. That's right, Dr. Seuss, 2nd of March, 1904. His official name is Theodore Giesel, but his middle name was actually Seuss, which was his mother's maiden name. Right, so he figured that people aren't going to take me seriously with a last name like Giesel, so we're going to have to <laughs> adopt Seuss. Seuss. Interesting. Uh, interesting also, not a doctor. He uh, performed a you couple of operations don't say. as a kid. Dr. Um, Seuss wasn't <laughs> a doctor? <laughs> what? He, he was not. Um, <laughs> can, can you just, <laughs> I don't derail your segment. Can you just imagine like, that thing on a plane? We need a doctor. And Dr. Dr. Seuss, Seuss is like, like, I have green eggs and ham yeah. <laughs> from the places we will go. No, we don't need that. We don't need your tongue twisters here, sir. We need a bloody defibrillator. This man's dying. Oh, Stop jumping on him. <laughs> <laughs> Get off him. Okay, so let's explain a bit who he is. For those of you who maybe have been living under a rock for the past 113 years, Dr. Seuss, a.k.a. Theodore Giesel, is the author of over 48 books. Now, that's a lot of books. They are primarily children books. Um, but that's okay. We're going to look past that because pictures still count as books. And his best works include, I don't know, the likes of Cat in the Hat, Horton Hears a Who, The Grinch Who Stole Christmas, One Fish, Two Fish, Red Fish, Blue Fish, and, and the like. So he's, he's kind of famous. He definitely shaped my childhood. Mm, definitely, definitely, definitely. Now, I want to tell you something a bit interesting about old Susie over here, as, as he was called by his mates. Oh, really? Susaroo. Um, he was a bit of a, a betting man. He liked the old bet, and he thought, who better bet against than the co-founder of Random House, a publishing company, um, Bennett Surf. Ah, okay. So he said to Bennett, he walked in the door, and he said, listen, mate, how are you going? And Bennett said, very good, thank you. How are you doing? I had a very nice breakfast. Great. They were already on good terms. Delicious. They, I like it the best. Um, and so they were on good terms, and Bennett looks at him, and he goes, I've got a proposition for you. Yeah, right. And you know Susie in his wacky ways, and he's like... Gone. Lay it on me. I can do this. I'm Dr. Seuss for Pete's sake. I know it all. He says, I bet you, you can't write a book in 50 words. So Dr. Seuss, he looks at him and he goes, hold on, mate. 50 words is not a lot of words. Normal book size, children books, you're talking three, 4,000 words. Wait, wait. So he can only... He's got 50 words to finish a book, or he can only use 50 words only use in 50 his book? Only 50 words in the book. That's a repetition of the same word. And that's what I'm saying. Thousands oh. and thousands of words are normally used. But to only repeat 50 words, you're picking the words very carefully here. You know, I think I go through 50 different words in a regular conversation within like, you know, like 30, not 30 seconds. I don't talk that much. But like, you yeah, know, but, but yeah, do quite you a bit. Use, do you use pictures? No, because he can use pictures. Um, and and well, as on. they say, pictures count as a thousand speak words. Of, speak a thousand words. That's so true. I probably would say he, he lost the bet, <laughs> but <laughs> no, he didn't. So Dr. Seuss looks at him and he goes, for $50, which is around 330 American dollars nowadays, he said, okay, I'm going to do it. 
So he, he went back to the drawing board and he started writing it up. And well, he's hang, like, on, hang on, hang on, hang on, yeah, 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 hang, yeah. On, hang on, wait, wait. Yeah. Let, let's just back up. Dr. Seuss, I assume if he's mates with the dude who co-founded Random House Publishing, he must be already pretty rich at this point, right? So yeah. why is 50 American dollars at that point enough to tempt him to go into this ridiculous wager? You Surely that's not the point. You know nothing gotta, about Dr. Seuss. It's got to be... nothing. No, I'm just, I'm just calling him out. Like this, is like, this isn't about money for this no, man. Never. Unless he was terrible with his money. It's got to be about pride. He it's wrote always a book about called Cat in the Hat. He was trying to push the boundaries of everything. <laughs> you know, he pretended that Yertle the Turtle, he, he likened him to Adolf Hitler. You know, like, he did crazy things. This is him. This is what he does. He okay. challenges the boundaries. So he's like, okay. you know what? I don't care about $50, but I'll still take it because I can buy, you know, a nice snack for my family. No, I can, um, I can relate to uh, old mate. Seuss in that respect. Uh, I remember. Okay, I remember. Do something. Tell me something incredible. No, just not the fact that I necessarily. Not that I'm amazing and I'm incredible, but the fact <laughs> yeah. that like the whole attitude, like, oh, you think I can't? Well, let me show you. It, but then it usually it's, turns out that I can't. It's a very big bravado move. It's like oh, I am the manliest man. It's very butch. Oh, very I don't butch. like it. I, I never liked that mentality. But boy, it makes for a good story. So he said yes. He said, you know what? Get back to me. I'm gonna do this. Okay. So he goes home, he writes some things, he has, he has breakfast, and breakfast is important to this whole shindig. Okay. Because breakfast is the best meal of the day, but also, you know, started the, the wave of thoughts. <laughs> the creative juices got flowing as he... Uh, Not juices so much, but the food per se. Well, the creative bacon started to sizzle, did it? Or? Yeah, well, it, it crackled, it popped, and then turned into ham. That's oh, right. yeah. so wait, Green Eggs and Ham was a result of... Green Eggs and Ham was a 50-word book. Only used 50 words in its entirety in terms of repetition of words. Oh. So Sam, I am Green, green Eggs and Ham, one Dr. Seuss, about $330. And I imagine like m- like millions in royalties afterwards. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it worked out all right for him. Yeah, um, it's actually quite astounding because he, he wasn't even that successful at that point. His first successful book was only six years ago with Cat in the Hat. So it's not like he was at the peak of his career. He was literally just like, you know, screw you. I'm going to do this for me. You know, I wonder if that's what it takes to be a successful author. Yeah. No, no. It, oh, actually, no, yes, it does. I was about to say, oh, well, look at um, the person who wrote Fifty Shades of Grey. But, like, no, she actually literally did the exact same thing. You know, you know the story about Fifty Shades of Grey? No. It started off as Twilight fan fiction, right? No. No, dead set. And then it was in this, like, blog it was hosted by somebody else and it got too raunchy and they're like, yo, you can't put this filth here. <laughs> but you can make it into a three-movie <laughs> action picture. And she's like, all right, fine. I'm going to take my, my filth elsewhere. She changed the names of the characters and uh, turns it to like... It kind of makes you think what people will do when you say no to them or say you can't do this. I reckon, you know, that's how Superman was created. Someone's like, I bet you can't fly and save the planet. I b- Boom. I bet. I was like, someone's saying you like to like <laughs> on, on Krypton. I bet you can't blow up this planet. And then some people do is like, I bet you I can. <laughs> <laughs> Boom. I bet you can't Point save made. your baby. Suffice to say, it's one of the best books ever written. I don't know. It's no, it's no Homer's Odyssey. It's no Iliad. It's no War and Peace. How was your childhood without Green Eggs and Ham? Did you have Green Eggs and Ham in your I childhood? wasn't served it. Up as a kid. No, but as as a book, where you serve the book, you're like, yeah, hey, read this. Of course, it I was did. great. Yeah, I was a kid. As a kid but that's yeah, the point. It's a kid it. book. Yeah, I read it. The Iliad by Homer is obviously not a kid's book. War you know, and Peace, not a kid's book. Okay, that's a good point. <laughs> 1984. <laughs> well, probably relevant to kids. Relevant. Uh, well, it's important yeah, that they re- realize that like their yeah, brains are turning to mush. Yeah. So he won. He won the bet, and Green Eggs and Ham was published. Interesting fact: nowadays there are restaurants that do sell Green Eggs and Ham. There's actually a couple restaurants in Sydney that even sell it. 
Really? Yeah, I'm not even joking with you. Well, actually, in this age of deconstructed like coffee balls and like bacon <laughs> dust, it's not that particularly surprising to me that green eggs and ham you can actually get it on the menu. Was it? Would you get it like at the Sydney Waffle House or, pe- or Pancake um, Parlor? Well, or whatever? Then, I don't know. There's a, a diner in in um... Whoville. <laughs> not Whoville. Um, it's right next to the Cat in the Hat, but before Horton Hears a Who, just like in between there. Um, Barangaroo. Barangaroo. <laughs> I don't think anyone's ever described Barangaroo as in between Cat in the Hat and Horton Hears a Who. I think there's good reason for that. It's probably well. in, be- it's, it's in between Westpac and a casino. That's what it's in between. <laughs> um, but yeah, it kind of made me thinking how influential he was and what people can do with limited amounts of words. Okay. So I thought I'd, I'd do a bit of a challenge. A Seuss, a Seuss challenge. Right. And I want to call it, and this is an inventive name, so you can't steal it. The Sneaky Seuss Challenge. Sneaky Seuss Challenge. I'm going to try and use as many of Dr. Seuss's titles when ordering from a restaurant. Because you know what? If he can do it in 50 words, hell, I can use his titles and order an entire meal. All right. You know you can only have like two things. Three things. Three. There's only three things you can eat. Ham, eggs, and butter. No, that's not true. You can eat cat... You can eat turtle, you can eat fish, you can eat fox. Hell, I don't even know what hunches and bunches are, but you can eat them too. So, Harry, how's it going to go down? How's it work? really simple. I'm going to call up a restaurant. I'm going to try and order as many things as I can using only Dr. Seuss titles. So, for example, I can use, oh, say, can you say? So if I can't hear them, I could be like, oh, say, can you say that again? I'm giving too much away already. Let's just go straight to the call and we'll see how it goes down. Okay, deal. Hi, I'd like to place an order, if that's okay. A bowl of water? No, place an order. Did you order? Uh, sorry, who's this? Sorry, my name's John. I'm just trying to place an order for delivery. Is, are you done, sir? Sorry, can I, can I just ask if you have some things on the menu? Because I know you have different menus for different days and times. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to ask um, if you had eggs that you could get with ham, preferably green eggs. Yes, we have eggs now. We are selling the... So you do have green eggs? Green eggs, right? Yes. I mean, with ham, preferably, but without ham, I could do as well. Oh, we don't do that in this time. Not at all. Okay, what about... Do you have any fish dishes? Like, if I wanted, like, one fish, two fish, a red fish, blue fish, would you be able to give me a fish dish? What fish? We only have the fish patty. So only one fish? Yeah. One fish I could do, that's okay. Um, now, say can you say, um, do you have scrambled eggs? No, Super we don't. It's eggs. only in the morning. Only in the morning. Okay, this one's a bit weird, but if you have this, I'd be really happy. Um, you generally put them in your socks, if you had like fox in socks. What is it, sorry? Fox in socks. I was wondering if you had any fox in socks. We're done, sorry. Okay, this is the last one, and then I'm going to get out of your hair because I, I, it sounds like you're really busy. Um, I wouldn't, would just like to know if you had Yertle or Turtle because I, I feel like a bit of Turtle Burger. I'm just going to go full out and say it. I'm, I'm hungry for a Yertle the Turtle. Do you have that? No, sorry. You know what? I appreciate it. I got one thing I wanted, which is one fish, so I appreciate that. Unfortunately, there wasn't two fish, red fish or blue fish, but I'll take the one fish. Thank you so much for helping me out. No worries. Thank bye. you. <laughs> oh god yeah <laughs> she was an absolute champion 
She she was needlessly helpful. I, didn't, I, even, didn't even flinch when I asked to eat turtle. I would have hung up on you. <laughs> I would um, have hung up on you. <laughs> I got I got one of them. I, I said, oh, say, can you say? I managed to say quite a few of the different names. Didn't have any of them, but I could have one fish. Not two fish, red fish or blue fish, but we had one. Nash, I, I think it's time for us to head to a quick break and then come back with some of your wisdom. Yeah, okay. Because that was just kooky level of, <laughs> of a challenge. I'd say I won the challenge. Most people would say I, I sucked. Really? <laughs> <laughs> oh, the places you I, will go with this show. Oh, um, kill this me is, now. This is Harry and Nash with Before You Were Born. Um, up next, let's talk a bit about your topic, which I don't know. If, can we say? Can we say what it is? It's a bit secretive. Oh, say, can you say? No, we'll tell you later. <laughs> we'll tell you. Stay tuned. <laughs> Welcome back to Before You Were Born. We just had a bit of a chat about Dr. Seuss, or Theodore Giesel, as he's called, and spoke a bit about green eggs and ham, and even tried to order some, but were very fruitless in that task. No fish. No. Oh, there was fish, but no green eggs and ham. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> surpri- not that surprising, really. No, not at all. No, not really. I mean, look, unless you're consciously going after green eggs and ham, and it's been a conscious decision, the fact that your eggs or your ham are going to be green, it's yeah, probably, it's probably a sign off. of... <laughs> just Go somewhere else. Look at their health rating. Yeah. Now, Nash, let's get to a bit more of a serious topic, because history isn't all fun and games. It's a bit serious as well. Not too serious, but a little bit. Well, no, look, I, I wouldn't necessarily characterise this as being particularly serious. <laughs> okay. Where are you going with this? No, it's no, it's no, pretty serious. Your sentence. No, it's What's pre- the topic? No, it's, no, it's pretty serious. I, I it's just, it's just interesting. I just find it interesting. So, so Harry, wh- wh- where do we live? Australia. We, li- we live in Australia, right? And we enjoy a lot of freedoms here, and we not freedom of speech, but other freedoms. Well, okay, but there's no particular like in a you know constitution freedom of speech. Well, blah blah yeah, blah. Okay. We don't have. Let's the, not go into that. Yeah, it's fine. But um, you know, we have lots of freedoms in this country in a secular democratic society, and those freedoms are protected by our constitution mm-hmm. and also by the fact that we have an armed forces, right? We have a Defence Force here in Australia to protect us. Where are you going with this? Where am I going with this? I want to know. Well, here's what I'm... Because you said this is not such a serious topic. So I just (laughs) want to know if you're calling our Defence Force not such a serious topic. Not a great way to start our first show Okay, okay, it's obviously serious. But like more than it's just like grim. It's not grim. It's not sombre. It's just interesting, I think. I I agree. So I think it's interesting. How is it that we actually came to have a Defence Force, right? So, Nash, we're speaking about the Australian Army, which you think is a serious topic. Why are we speaking Dude, about I think it's serious. I think it's interesting because, well, you know, it's one of those things we take for granted. I know I take it for granted. I take for granted that there's, you know, 28, more than 28,000 individuals who are uh, enlisted servicemen and women who do this full time and protect the freedoms that we have in our country, right? It's good, but is it that much? Like 28,000 sounds like a lot. It's a lot. Well, I mean, it's, I, I wouldn't want to face them all at once, but you know, it, it doesn't. It makes up less than you know one percent, uh, less than point one percent of our entire. Guys, population. join the army. We don't have enough. Okay, well, <laughs> well I'm sure this is like not endorsed that. by the Australian government, but you know, no, no, do us a favour. But that's not the point. Okay. The point is, we take our secular democratic society a little bit for granted, we and, do. and some of the ways in which we actually need to have our freedoms protected, mm-hmm. and one of them being not only the constitution, but having an armed forces that is able to protect us, right? But wait, why is this relevant to us? Well, why is this relevant to us? Well, because this week specifically. Well, this week specifically because we didn't always have, uh, you know, a defence force. In fact, on March first, nineteen oh one, that's when the Australian Defence Force came into being. Really? Okay. Call me a bit of a an idiot, the class dunce, if you if you will. Yeah, let's prepare the uh, the cone for your head. Yep. But weren't we federated on the first of January, two months 
prior to yeah. this whole shindig. Yeah. What were we doing for those two months? All right. Well, well, oh, okay, that's a good question. What were we doing for those two months? Well, you know, the important thing was we were like having this piece of legislation passing through the, the then parliament. It's the really interesting thing, I yeah. think, is that one of the key reasons for federation in the first place, the coming together of the colonies mm. of Australia was in order for us to have a defence force. Okay, fair. If I was New Zealand, in those two months is when I would have attacked Australia. If you were New Zealand, you would have been on the table negotiating whether or not you wanted to be part of the uh, great Commonwealth of Australia. All right, and you know you what researched, you know, okay, dude, it's you know fine. What, you, know what, you know what, dude, yes. when it came down to, they opted out of joining Australia. Why? Well, okay, so the, so the, um, the Premier, essentially they had a Premier. Okay. Because New Zealand was a colony as well. So the yeah. Premier of New Zealand issued this royal commission and there were 10 blokes on the royal commission and unanimously they decided that they didn't want to be part of Australia. You know why? Because they thought, you know, we actually, we're better than Australia. And so far they've proven correct. Yeah, well, look, I mean, the Fly of the Concords is like dead set best comedy export of our area. But also, um, <laughs> yeah. more to the point, they were economic rivals to us as well. Right. You know what I mean? And I think, you know, I think it was like this sort of inferiority complex. I think if I was the, the premier of New Zealand, mm. I would much rather be the premier of New Zealand or the, you know, the potential prime minister of New Zealand versus being the premier of a state. It's so true. You know that I mean? paycheck difference. Look at Malcolm Turnbull's house. He ain't no premier, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> he got a nice house. He gave me a bank. But That's we're getting off the point. the point. We're getting off the point. So, how did our army form? Okay. That's what I want so, to know. Well, here's a better question. How did any of these colonies protect themselves Yeah, I like, I like that one. Let's right. do that so one. So there were six colonies in Australia um, prior to, you know, Federation. All right. right. So Sydney, Byron, Hobart. You're giving me a look that makes me want to say no, these aren't Launceston? Colon- these aren't colonies. These but are, I was these, close. These are capitals. These are but capitals. I was close. Sort of. So, so New South <laughs> What's Wales- Byron the capital of? I don't know. Careful what you say now. Okay. Careful what you say now. Okay, okay, okay. So you've got, so, 1788. Yes. That's when you had Arthur Philip come. New South Wales' first colony, mm-hmm. right? So up until about... 1870, right? Yeah. You had the formation of these colonies. There were six colonies. So Western what, Australia, what we Western yeah. Australia, Queensland, New South Wales, Victoria, Tasmania, South Australia, which also included what is now Northern Territory as okay. well. So right? cent- Central Australia. Yeah, Central Australia cool. for lack of a better word, right? Each of these colonies had its own defense, its own militia, right? Did they ever attack each other? Like was oh, there was there know, battles between lands? You know, that's a good question. I don't because I've never I've never learned about it. You know what? I don't think so. And not, it doesn't matter because that's not in history this week. That was history like three weeks ago. So know, we don't I'm have to not, worry. I'm about not it. entirely sure. But you know what's interesting is that each of these colonies had their own militias, mm-hmm. but they were not necessarily domestic militias, right? These were regiments uh, of the British army that were there to support the colonies. So what you're saying is Britain essentially took boats of their army down to Australia yeah. to protect Australia. Yeah. From what is the question though, right? From what I'm going to say, leading, I'm not giving away too much about one of our later segments, Yeah. but I want to say emus. <laughs> Well, look, it's, it's a big concern. Uh, the wildlife, right? <laughs> we'll get to that later. Stay tuned for that one. Yeah. So, like, okay, so so you've got the, these British regiments here. They're yeah. primarily to stop. For, well, not, not, okay, so they're primarily to uh, defend against foreign invasion from other European powers, to mm-hmm. suppress, like, some sort of col- um, 
convict uprising and also to suppress the resistance of the uh, Aboriginal people, people yeah, who, okay. were, who were there as well. So right? these are bad men, very bad, don't like them, very bad. Well, you know, you, you could just say they're following orders, but they did some bad stuff. Right? Yeah, let's not go to Nuremberg so, on this shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, so, so you got them, right? So, so they're but, here to protect but, the colonies. Yeah, they're there to protect right. the colonies. But what's interesting is that in 17... So right, 1870, right? Yeah. They, they leave. They stop, right? Why? Well, a number of reasons. 1840, yeah. the uh, convict trade to Australia stopped. Why did it stop? Did they realise that stealing a, a loaf of bread was no longer means to send you halfway across the world? Well, you think they wake up and realise the humanity of that and they realise actually they caused that problem with the Industrial Revolution. But no, what actually happened was that there were free citizens in Australia, free people who were like, nah, we don't want any of these convicts here. Get them out. Oh stop them from God. coming. They're stealing jobs. They're taking our women. They're taking our bread. <laughs> <laughs> you know? That's what it came down to. And yeah. John, John Fairfax, the guy who's Fairfax linear... Media. Yeah, he owned. He you know founded the City Morning Herald, right? He was seminal in stopping that, stopping the uh, the the uh, old old uh, old convicts coming in. So eighteen seventy begins the time of the New Zealand wars, right? So now is this one of our wacky wars that no, we will be speaking about this later this in the show? This isn't a wacky war, man. This was a legitimate war. This was, I'm just so this was twenty-seven years of resistance okay. against the colonial decent amount of time powers by the Maori, right? Uh, anyway, so off they go. So then Australia. Grant is granted the right of responsible government by the British Crown to actually start raising its own domestic militias and navy. In 1870? From around that time. Okay, yeah. cool, cool. Okay, so... I'm following you here. We're getting closer to uh, 1901. Yeah. You have these standing militias, right? Yeah. In, in, uh, <laughs> in the colonies. But they're not unified. They don't work together, right? No, they don't of course share not. resources. They're not commanded by some sort of central command because we don't have federation, mm. right? Now, what would actually make the colonies come together to cooperate and to actually uh, I know. You know, bring their powers together? Why would you even do that in the first place? Because, you know, know if I'm New South Wales, I know why do I give this. a shit? Why do I care about Tasmania? Internet. South Australia had better internet than the rest of Australia. That's in, why. You know, in some ways, you're kind of right. It was about being connected, right? I'm, was, I'm actually correct. No. Well, in some ways, it was about connection. So, yes. the, so an improvement in our <laughs> railway systems, right? Railway users can be found on the internet. Pretty much means I'm well, correct. Well, I mean, largely, like, the internet is about connecting people. Railway is about connecting people. That's it. That's why. That's the only sort so of. So I wasn't even. Anyway, I'm gonna let you say the history, and I'm just gonna sit anyway, quietly and so just a, indulge this brilliance. All these radio, <laughs> all these ra railways, right? Yeah. And uh, there was a gentleman. His name was Major General Sir James Evan Edwards. Okay, I thought his name was Major General. I'm like, that's an awesome name. I now want to call my kid Major. I am the very model of a modern Major General. <laughs> um, very impressive. He. He right yeah. in 1889. He undertook this sort of review. Right, yeah. of all the colonial uh, military forces, right, and along the east coast of Australia, he took on this like he took stock, kind of like the census, except it didn't crash, and he actually found information out. Yeah, a little okay, bit, cool. a, a little bit like that. I'm understanding now. And essentially, after that, his recommendation was that in order for the continent of Australia to stand any sort of chance of defending itself or um, you know taking care of itself. Uh, it needed to form a federal coalition, right? It, need, it needed to form a federation, right? In order so to have a central power to command all of our, our different... Uh, essentially, our he looked at Europe and he was like, when they're all separate countries, they kill each other. When they're all together, less killing. 
in some ways. Although I'm not entirely sure that the the colonies were such a were were the threat that they were they were looking to suppress. What was actually going on? There was a growing imperial German threat in New Guinea of all places. Okay, right? so as per usual, everyone was afraid of the Germans. It seems to be a common theme in the, like, the past two years. <laughs> we should have learned. We should have learned. <laughs> so, well, so what happens then? All right. So like the fact that you have like an imperial um, aspirations of Germany yeah. um, in uh, New Guinea uh, as a threat that sort of that sort of influenced the the decision to like okay look we actually need to federate here. Okay. All right. So not only did uh, our friend Edwards. Influence the uh, from his review of the of the uh, of the colonies that we need to have a, a, a centralized defense force. That argument was then taken up and championed by the guy who is known as the father of the Australian Federation. I know this, Pauline Hanson. Pa- yeah, <laughs> Edmund Barton. Em- no, the no, 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 dude. The first prime minister was not the father of Australia. No, he wasn't the father of Australian Federation. Tell me. Well, um, have you been to a little park called uh, Centennial Park? Have you been there before? Yes. Yeah? It's not so little. It's pretty big. It's huge. It's about four kilometers in radius. Do you know who was responsible for getting that off the ground? I'm going to be honest. I really thought Edmund Barton was who you were talking about. I have zero clue. Please (laughs) tell me. (laughs) Uh, It was Henry Parks. Now, Henry Parks, he did a great thing, right? He did. He had Centennial Park. Uh, yeah. He founded that, right? But also, I want to say he was the father of Federation. Yes, I did just say that. Nice work. Um, so, <laughs> I can listen. <laughs> excellent retention of knowledge, Harry. <laughs> Thank he you. Was a, he's called the father of Federation because he brought it up multiple times and he brought together this sort of coalition um, of a conference, right, okay. uh, to, 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 to push forward this Federation movement in the late 1800s. It, he was ultimately unsuccessful and he died about six years before Federation actually came Tragic. through. And it was up to not only... Him, but uh, Alfred Deacon. Right? I know Alfred Deacon. Alfred Deacon, uh, who would later go on to become Prime Minister himself. And have a university. Very, very true indeed. And a suburb in uh, good old Canberra. Love it. Same with Parks as well. Alfred Deacon would help along with the Federation movement and get it, see it through. Uh, but of course, Edmund Barton was the first uh, caretaker Prime Minister of Australia. After, uh, he was a caretaker. He was the first caretaker, right? Because we, we were federated, right? Right. But then he was actually elected afterwards okay. as well. Not so by a huge majority, but he was actually legitimate as he well. He still made well. it. He still made it as well. So, uh, yeah, so that's that brought us to federation. And okay. then two months later, 1st of March, boom. Australian So what Force. you're telling me is the reason we now have an army yeah. is because we were scared of Germany. It's fitting. It's very fitting. You know what? In some ways, I am saying that. <laughs> I am saying that the uh, the the presence of the German uh, imperial forces in, in, in New, New Guinea, Guinea did influence <laughs> our decision to have it. Yeah. Before you were born, never doesn't deliver. Does that even make sense? It's a double negative, but it double negative. Work. Yeah, it's, it works out to be in our favour. My favorable. mind blown. Australia predicted world wars. That's what. That's a takeaway from this one. <laughs> right home to your parents and tell them that. That's what we're doing. Um, Nash, that was a great topic. Army, 1st of March, 1901. It happened. But after this, let's go something a bit lighter. Let's lighten the moon a bit. And let's do some fun facts. Yes, let's do it. Let's get back with Before You Were Born with fun facts about the, this week in history. Right back after this. Welcome back to Before You Were Born. 
Up next, we have a very exciting new segment called Fast Facts. Nash, what is it? Fast Facts are facts that are fast. Harry, we're bringing you the key events from history that happened on this day uh, very fast. I'm going to be honest, some of them aren't so key, but still interesting. Okay, nonetheless. All right, okay. No one's perfect. All right. Fast Facts. 28th <laughs> of February, something big happened. Uh, I don't know. Pope Benedict resigned. That's a big deal. It was like in 2013. He resigned. Why did he resign? I don't know. But he was a pope. I don't think it was done before that popes resigned. Yeah, it's a like pretty controversial to, thing. Yeah. Are they supposed to resign when they die? Look, you'd think so. When they bite it? <laughs> but I guess not. Is that blasphemous to say when the pope bites it? Is that? <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely blasphemous. <laughs> uh, moving on very quickly for these fast facts. 29th of February 2003, Lord of the Rings Return of the King won 11 Oscars. Meryl Streep has three. Lord of the Rings has 11. Everyone knows Meryl Streep is the best damn Oscar nominee ever. Wait, what? Meryl Streep has three Oscars? Yeah. But dude, you f- this kind of fact, she's been nominated like 14 times or something like that. Something Lord ridiculous. of the Rings Return of the King, that's 11 Oscars. Okay, that's, that's a lot. That's but huge. also, it wasn't made that much more ridiculous by the fact that it's on the 29th of February as well. Yeah, it was a leap year that year. <laughs> that's crazy. Let's fast forward just a couple of days. Actually, one day to be precise, to the 1st of March. So it's just started to be autumn. Australian Army's invented. 1692... The Salem Witch Hunt begins. Oh. Which I think is quite an exciting time because to test whether or not you're a witch, they drown you. And if you float, you're a witch, so then you'll be burned at the stake. But if you drown, then you were a mortal, but you're dead. But the good thing is you go to heaven, so it's okay. <laughs> yeah, true that. 1807, big thing happens in America. Congress abolishes the African slave trade. I think that's a big deal. I mean, there were still slaves after that for a while, but at least it was abolished at that point. Lincoln did a good job. So 1807, they were like, no more slaves. No more slave trade. Two more quick facts. Boom. Fast facts. Let's do it. A bit of sport. 1962, still the 1st of March. Will Chamberlain scores 100 points in the NBA. Never done before. 100 points is heaps. It's only 48 minutes. Is that he a lot? He scoring at least two points a minute. Wow. That's a lot. And that's saying he played the entire 48 minutes. You know what that says to me? That's what? a guy who doesn't like to share. Okay, fair point. He also does a lot of assists, but let's not go into that. He's a great man. Don't you dare say bad things about Wilt Chamberlain. Now, we're going to end on a fun one. 1958, the day is the 5th of March, was near the end of our week in history this week. Something very exciting has been invented, rather patented. So it's already invented, but they got the official patent for the hula hoop. 1958, March 5th. It's exciting. I can't do the whole hoop. You know, it's just in like it's it. just in time for free love. It's <laughs> yeah. just in time for LSD. It's just in time for the Beatles. Oh, it's perfect. They knew when to patent the whole hoop. They did a great job with nice. it. So that's how fast facts is gonna work. We're gonna just shoot out some fast facts. And you know what? We'll even we'll even put them in writing sometimes if we feel especially sprightly. Um, but we'll see how we go. There we go. So, Nash, I think that brings us to the end of our first ever show of Before You Were Born. My goodness. Now, Harry, oh, what you know a what? journey. It was actually a lot of fun. And do I, why did I say actually? Why do I need a conditional in <laughs> Why are you surprised I, that we had fun together? It's just like I generally sort of... This is all our play dates. When I know that I'm going <laughs> to be hanging out with you, I get kind of anxious. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> Same as everyone I know. Mum pays people. It's fine. Um, no, dude, like, uh, it was cool. I know, you, know, you know what's going to happen? What? Is we're going to listen back to this in six months or 12 months. And you're like, oh my God. We are so much better in 12 months than we went. But that's okay because this is history oh, in no, the making. I, I was going to say, that was awesome! <laughs> <laughs> just, just a quick recap for all of you that don't know. This week was, of course... 
first week of March, the first week of autumn, starting from the 28th of February slash 29th, if you're in a leap year, going all the way to the 5th of March. Next week, of course, will be the 6th to the 12th of March. Very exciting stuff. Ooh, who knows what we're going to be talking about then? I don't even know. The history know. books do. Yeah. <laughs> like, if you want to cheat the show, you could look up history books. Don't do that. Listen to the show. Way better. Um, before you were born, we spoke about Dr. Seuss, of course, and had a great green eggs and ham conversation. Spoke a bit about the old Australian army and how it was formed, all thanks to the, the old Germans. And, of course, tried our new segment, Fast Facts. Next week, we'll be back at the same time doing fun things. Join us next week to find out a bit more about things that happened before you were born.